Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hi, hello and welcome from wherever you're listening from. Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to pop a thing in here that says, for some reason, about halfway through, the sound quality changes slightly. Now, I don't know why that is. It might be my microphone. It's probably going to be user error because I'm still really new to this. So I apologize. It's still definitely listenable to, but it is also a little bit noticeable. Uh, I'd love to tell you that I can get the tech team on it, but I am the tech team. This is very much a one-woman show. You'll still learn just as much. You'll probably not notice, but just in case, I wanted to give you a heads up. All right, let's jump in. Hi folks, and welcome to episode four of the Future in Finance podcast series. If you were with us last week and you've come back for another round, I salute you. The topic of tax is never easy, but we did what we could. At best, you learned a thing or two. At worst, you probably found something even better than orchestra noises or a white noise machine to get you those eight hours of beauty sleep. Now, I'm not going to keep you hanging around for long, as we do have a lot to get through today. If you're new here, this is a podcast aimed at helping you study for your Certificate in Mortgage Advice in Practice, also known as CMAP. If it is your first time, I'd recommend you head on over to episode one, just since we're covering all the material in chronological order. Alternatively, if you're here because this is a standout unit that you've been struggling with, then welcome. I'm Charlotte from Future in Finance, and today we're covering CMAP 1, Unit 1, Topic 4, Tax. Again. As usual, we're going to try and keep this sub 20 minutes. I'm going to pick out the key bits for us to work on, but if you do want a complete topic for audio study guide, you can head on over to www.futureinfinance.co.uk and you can select any topic you're struggling with, get the audio help for the low, low price of just a tenner. If the topic you need isn't available yet, I am working on it, but get in touch on Instagram. I'll prioritise the ones that are most popular. I'll be honest, it was tough to pick the objectives for this week's episode because I'm keen to stick to the London Institute of Banking and Finance's guide, but a lot of the taxation stuff is really visual. So for today's episode, I've made a lot of bonus visual material. Head on over to our Facebook page or our Instagram page, which is at Future in Finance, and it should clear up a lot of the calculation queries you might have. Now, without further ado, I'm going to go through our objectives for this week's episode and then we can jump straight in. So by the end of this podcast, we should have a fairly clear understanding of capital gains tax and the reliefs available, inheritance tax, potentially exempt transfers and chargeable lifetime transfers and the different forms of stamp duty. Brace yourselves. Every time I play that intro music, I have to stop myself from playing the full two and a half minute segment because I realise that's not productive, but it's also really damn catchy. So the first objective that we need to box off is capital gains tax and the reliefs that are available with that. First question, what is capital gains tax? So the London Institute of Banking and Finance define capital gains tax as a tax that is payable on a gain made of the disposal of certain assets. So let's break that down. If you sell something and you make a profit, you may have to pay tax on it. Now, if you're all of a sudden sweating over the sofa and the old phone that you flogged last week on Facebook Marketplace, 
don't panic. Chances are you're going to be way under the capital gains tax threshold and it's not going to be relevant. So you don't even need to give it a second thought. But let's take a look at some examples of things that you could sell for a profit that you might need to pay capital gains tax on. First example that we have, and you do not need to memorize these for your exam, personal property that's worth more than a certain amount, real estate or land that is not your main home, so second homes or residence, someone's main home if it's been let out for business use or if it's particularly large, the sale of shares if they're not held in an ISA, and business assets such as land, buildings, machinery or registered trademarks. Everybody has an annual capital gains tax allowance and that's generally referred to as the annual exempt amount. So your capital gains tax allowance for 2023 is £6,000 and to put that into perspective, the year previous it was £12,300 so it was a big change in the budget forecast. Let's give a real world example. So you've decided you're going to sell the second home that you bought in Wales a few years back because it's just not fashionable to holiday in the UK after lockdown, darling. And if you were to make a profit on the sale of that property over £6,000, you would be liable to pay some tax on that profit. Now, the amount of tax that you pay is dependent on a couple of different factors. This is the part where I could really easily delve into tax rates and calculations, but I'm not going to do that. I would really like to keep the three avid listeners a week that I've accumulated and completing tax calculations is something that just isn't suitable for a podcast. Instead, if you head on over to our Instagram page at Future in Finance or the Facebook page, which is the same, you can find all the good tax related stuff. You'll see the tax allowances for this year and some examples of how to calculate capital gains tax. Remember, you do not need to memorise the tax table for your CMAP exam, so you're going to get provided with a copy. Don't let that take up any valuable brain space. Just remember, capital gains tax is a tax payable on the profits of certain stuff that you can sell. That's it. It's that simple. Now, make a note of the fact that there are certain reliefs available for capital gains tax. Again, there's a handy Instagram post for you that you can screenshot and refer back to, but you do not need to memorise it. It will not come up in your exam. You just need to know that they exist. These reliefs are holdover relief, rollover relief, private residence relief, and business asset disposal relief. Now, there's something that we need to talk about, and this something is called bed and breakfasting. And no, before you ask, it isn't a hit new Channel 4 series. Bed and breakfasting is a term used to describe a process when someone sells their shares in one tax year and repurchases them the next day, which is technically in the following tax year, and that minimises their taxable gains. Now, this was outlawed in 1998, but it has come up in two of the three mock exams that I saw for last year. It's definitely worth noting that people who are looking to see if they've reached their capital gains tax allowance probably don't have all of their eggs in one one basket. So where they're making profits on one thing, they might be making a loss on another. And what you can do as a financial advisor is take any of those losses and subtract them against the profits to see whether they've still reached that capital gains tax threshold. Good news, take a breath, that is capital gains tax down. 
congratulations. I know it's not as riveting as the last season of Grey's Anatomy, but we're going to get there. So let's move on to objective number two, which is inheritance tax. Now, I'd like to think inheritance tax is fairly self-explanatory, but just to cover it, inheritance tax is something that you would pay on any inheritance you receive if somebody passes away. So, for example, if your grandma sadly passes away and leaves you with £10,000, that's inheritance. However, you would only pay tax on inheritance if the amount that you receive exceeds what is called the nil rate band which is basically just a fancy way of saying the base limit for inheritance tax. If you were to inherit less than £325,000 in assets, you would pay absolutely no tax at all. You'd get to keep every single metaphorical inherited penny in that scenario. However, if your grandma were to leave you with £10,000 plus a stately home, the Mercedes, the Ferrari and her absolutely golden Cliff Richard through the era's collection, then you're probably going to get a bill from the tax man. I know that I have already mentioned this, but calculations are notoriously hard to describe on a podcast. So this is the point where I'm going to point you back in the direction of our Instagram page at Future in Finance for a breakdown of inheritance tax calculations. And I have made it really simple. But the Spark Notes version of it is that for every £1 over that nil rate band, which is £325,000, you'll pay 40p. So it's basically 40% inheritance tax over the nil rate band. Side quest, if you don't know what Spark Notes is, then we're definitely not the same age. Now, a little quirk about inheritance tax before we move on is that it can be transferred to a spouse or civil partner. So say, for example, you died with £100,000 worth of assets, but your partner had a load more, you could basically transfer what you didn't use so in this instance, £225,000 worth of leftovers so that whoever inherits your partner's assets can take their allowance plus your leftover allowance, which would be a total of £550,000 without paying any tax. I'm going to leave it there. That was a lot of numbers, even for me. Okay, I know I said it, that it was one last thing, but it turns out there's something else. So with inheritance tax, there's something called a residence nil rate band really self-explanatory. It's basically an additional tax exemption that's applicable on property. So in the case of the aforementioned Cliff Richard's biggest fan grandma, as there's a property involved, there would be an extra £175,000 allowance as of 2023 that could be added to the original nil rate band to accommodate for the property. You don't need to remember the numbers. It will be provided to you in a table for your exam. Now, there are some things that are exempt from inheritance tax altogether, but I'm going to save your ears. You don't need to memorise them for the purposes of your exam, but just so you know, I'm giving you the first class future in finance experience. You know there's an Instagram post just specifically for this. It's waiting for you to nerd out on, so go and check it out. Guys, we're halfway through the objectives. That's inheritance tax and nil rate bans complete, and I'm hoping that aside from some fairly questionable Cliff Richards references, that's been relatively painless. Now, third on our list for today, the penultimate topic, the home straight and arguably the easiest to grasp from all of today's objectives, we've got potentially exempt transfers, also known as PETs. So a potentially exempt transfer is when one person passes on an asset from their estate while they're still alive, usually in the form of a gift. 
Most gifts made during a person's lifetime are classed as potentially exempt transfers. And if the donor survives for seven years after making the gift, then no tax is payable. That seven years is really important to remember. If the donor dies within seven years of making the gift and the value of the estate exceeds the nil rate band, then inheritance tax is due. Once again, there's an Instagram post entitled PET Table, and no, this is not an extensive list of all the dogs we have in the house ranked in size order. It's a table that shows you how tax is payable on gifts depending on when the gift is given and when the giver passes away. This is the important one. It is very likely to come up in the exam. The table is really simple, it's easy to remember, and it's highly likely to bag you a mark or two. So if you look at nothing else today, Go and find that one. Trust me, you will thank me later. And that is all you need to know about PETs, my distinguished guests. How easy was that? And now, moving on, we have chargeable lifetime transfers. Now, a chargeable lifetime transfer is a gift that someone gives to a company, an organisation, or a trust. And they are not classed as PETs because, in this instance, any tax to be paid on a CLT, which is not its official name, but I'm going to roll with it, is immediately due. So if somebody gives a chargeable lifetime transfer, the tax is payable immediately. This lifetime tax, as it's affectionately known, is only payable if the value of the gift, when added to any other gifts, exceeds that nil rate band that we've discussed previously. And as with PETs, the full amount of tax is due if the donor dies within the seven years subject to the table on the Instagram page. All right, in the words of Taylor Swift, shake it off. We are three down, one to go. How are you feeling other than probably glad it's nearly over, which is totally fair. But last but not least, we have stamp duty. Now, this is a big one, and that's not so much for the exam, but if you're planning on going into a career as a mortgage advisor, stamp duty is going to be a part of your everyday. And if you haven't bought a house before, you might not know what it is. So sit tight, let's learn some stuff. So the purchases of land and securities are usually liable to stamp duty, which is a tax imposed on the documents that give effect to the transaction. So for example, conveyancing of property or stock transfer forms. And in short, if you want to buy property and have it legally in your name, you've got to pay stamp duty. There are two things we're gonna talk about here. First up is stamp duty reserve tax. So stamp duty reserve tax is charged on transfers that are completed electronically. If a transaction is carried out through something called CREST, which is an electronic system and registration form, then stamp duty reserve tax is deducted automatically and passed to HMRC. For other transactions, the buyer has to notify HMRC and make the payment. Now, real quick, there are some exemptions from stamp duty and stamp duty reserve tax. For example, it's not chargeable on transactions in eligible securities on the London Stock Exchange, AIM and high growth segments, but please don't worry about this for now. And no stamp duty is payable on a transfer of shares in a property authorised investment fund or on the surrender of units. You do not need to remember this. I just want to include it for the full nerd experience. Okay, second up on our list is stamp duty land tax. Now this is paid by the purchaser of the property and there are different rates of stamp duty land tax which apply to different portions of the purchase price. And if that isn't easy to digest, don't worry, I have given you a visual table and also a blog post all about stamp duty. So you can find that on the website, www.futureinfinance.co.uk under the blog section. 
there's loads of information, so head on over there. It's worth remembering that similar to inheritance tax, purchases will not be charged any stamp duty land tax below a certain threshold. And for different types of buyer, including corporate bodies, different purchase price thresholds and stamp duty land tax rates apply. So for residential purposes, a supplementary rate is applicable for additional properties. And all that that means is that someone is going to pay more stamp duty on a property if they're buying it as their second home than if someone else was buying the same property as their main residence. Okay, big side quest for us here. Stamp duty land tax does not apply to the purchases in Scotland and Wales, which are instead subject to land and building transaction tax and land transaction tax, respectively. (laughs) That was a mouthful. You'll find that in your studies, there are certain quirks that are only applicable to the English financial regulations. So for this reason, the exams are different and you don't need to get tied up in memorising the differences. I know I've said a few times that the questions can be tricky, but I promise they don't expect you just to hurl up the entire textbook. That would be cruel. And if you're a first-time buyer, you can claim a relief on stamp duty land tax 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 which is tapered dependent on the purchase price of the property so for properties below a certain amount first-time buyers will pay absolutely no stamp duty land tax the relief was extended to some shared ownership property purchases in 2018 don't worry too much about that now it's covered more in a separate unit honorable attendees give yourselves a pat on the back we are done for today and honestly that's the bulk of cmap one unit one topic four boxed right off i know i mentioned it at the start but do remember this podcast podcast isn't a comprehensive study guide god it's been a long one it's here just to give you an insight into each unit and to support your learning but if you like what you've heard and you think the audio study might be just your jam then i have the best news here at future in finance we're on with creating a complete audio study guide to get you gliding through your cmap exam If you head on over to the website, which I am going to shamelessly drop again, www.futureinfinance.co.uk, if you all didn't catch it the last time, then you'll find that you can either buy the complete audio study guide collectively for £250, which I can tell you is an absolute bargain if you've done your research, equally and exclusively to us if you also have the option of purchasing just one topic at a time, meaning if you feel like you've got a handle on self-study from the London Institute of Banking and Finance textbook, but there's just one bit that boggles your brain, or if you just sat your exam and missed the mark in one or two units, and don't worry, that happened to me too, then you can buy the one topic at a time for just £10, which is pretty much the equivalent to one and a third mediocre costas. So might I suggest you save yourself the caffeine headache, and we have all been there, and go better yourself, go get the career you want, and go get help with your CMAP studies with Future in Finance. Now, as always, if you have any questions, if there's anything you want to know more about, or if you just want to tell me that you're studying for your CMAP and you fell on this podcast completely by accident but learned something new today, then please get in touch. I know I've mentioned it to death, but you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Future in Finance. You can head on over to the website, which I'm not going to go through again, but we've got this podcast. We also have a bi-weekly blog. We have intensive fast-track CMAP training courses with dates coming up. At the minute, there's plenty of Saturday dates available, and we're soon to have this unit-by-unit audio study guide boxed off. It's been an absolute dream having you here today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you in two weeks.